Hi, I'm Dr. Adrienne McKeon, AKA the Story Whisperer. I'm here to help creators of all stripes to discover, shape, and share the narrative gems buried within them. This season, 2020 Hindsight, is all about recognizing both the challenges we overcame and the unexpected gifts we received from the unprecedented events of the year 2020. Life handed us a jar of expired olives, and we each made our own unique version of a quarantini. And if these inspirational stories should happen to inspire you to share yours, well, that's allowed. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the That's Allowed podcast. I'm your hostess, Dr. Adrienne McKeon. And today we're here with Adela Scotland. Please introduce yourself. Hello, everyone. My name is Adela Scotland. I'm 18 years old and I live um, on the island of Trinidad and Tobago in the Caribbean. So tell us a little bit about why you wanted to be on this podcast today, because you have such a powerful and important story that the world is not getting. Um, I wanted to be on this podcast today because for a long time, um, teachers and students and parents alike have been trying to get some any kind of international coverage and um, awareness out there about the issues. So I felt like if it would have been a nice opportunity to get that ball rolling. Absolutely. So tell us your story. What happened? What, what tell us about your 2020 uh nightmare and then uh where that's led you to. Okay, so my 2020 nightmare was not just a nightmare that I experienced, mm-hmm. but it was a nightmare experienced by thousands of students in particular residing in the Caribbean region. Um, it was literally just a blatant disregard for human decency and just any form of integrity. Um, so what happened was that we have our own examination council here. So how America will have SATs and um, England has A-levels, which is kind of similar to the British system in that we have the Caribbean Examinations Council called CXC, and with that you write two exams, either CFAC, and that basically signifies that you have completed secondary school, and then CAPE, which is what I wrote, which is um, what you would write to get into college and stuff. So writing CAPE would make you eligible to apply to any Caribbean university or any British university and some Canadian and US universities. Right? So it's basically like your SATs. And um, because of the pandemic, you know, we would have expected our council to follow suit to first world countries that we quote unquote model our um, model of, mm-hmm. like Britain, where they use the projected grades. You know, but they did not do that. What they did was they modified the exam paper so that it would only be a multiple choice and our school-based assessment. So, I mean, 
we had to go out in the height of the pandemic here to write our examination. And in some territories like Brazil, because students had COVID-19, sorry, not Brazil, I mean Belize, in some territories mm-hmm. like Belize, um, some students had COVID-19 and they did not indicate that to their teachers or their principals. So they went to do the exam and then the COVID-19 cases in Belize just skyrocketed because now students were getting it. Let me stop you for a moment because I just want to explain to yeah. the people who don't know uh, how this was handled in, in other places. In the United States, for example, uh, students were not asked to sit their SATs. And instead, s- many colleges just decided to go what they called test optional. And so they just decided not to look at the SAT scores and to take into consideration other things like grades and extracurricular activities and things like this. They just decided, you know, we can't risk sending students out to take these tests right now. And so that is not what happened in Trinidad and Tobago or anywhere in the Caribbean, it sounds like. Yeah, that is not what happened. So essentially, our multiple choice questions that repeated. So once you do a couple papers, you have a fair chance of getting in the 90s, right? So, so, so basically they give you the, the same or similar test year after year is what you're saying. Yeah, they do. Yeah. So okay. from the get-go, you know, it was like, how is this going to be an accurate gauge of our ability or competency in the subject? If all you have right. to do is just practice a couple papers and effect. And they ignored, you know, these questions and concerns coming from teachers and parents and principals. And they went ahead. And to this day, we don't know what it was that they did, how they marked us, how the grades were allocated or anything. But when results came out, it was just an epic disaster all across the border. I remember when I got my results and I saw my grades, I got... So our grading system is where a one is the highest attainable grade, right? So I got two ones, I got two twos, and a three. And while that doesn't sound too bad, it is bad for me and my ability and the scores I would have went in with from the school-based assessment, as well as the fact that they barely brought any new questions this year. Mm-hmm. So even... And because I would have studied prior, even in new questions, I was sure I knew the answers to. So I was expecting to see all ones. So when I didn't, I started crying. You know, I was like, what is this? How is this possible? And I was beating myself up until I started talking to other friends. And they were having similar problems. You know, like, how it is I got a four in the subject or a five in the subject when I studied and knew the answers and I went in with high grades. That's when we found out it wasn't just an us problem, it was a Trinidad problem. But then from there, we found out it was a Caribbean problem. So what I did was I started a movement called Justice for Cape 2020, in which students from all across the region organized an online protest. So every 15 minutes, we called in to the CXC headquarters and we demanded answers. Wow. Yes. And what transpired was the person in charge 
um, he essentially came out and said he doesn't know what we're talking about and nothing is wrong and you know we just have to deal with it you know but we didn't take that so we started we um, decided to take it a step further and all across the region again we had physical protests in person you know and we urged our heads of state and our ministers of education to help us response in that regard has also been minimal but we understand because basically CXC is not under the jurisdiction of the different governments so what it is they can do is very limited which is the problem because it doesn't really matter you know how wrong it is they are or how wrong it is we could prove that they are actually getting um actually getting them reprimanded and getting the grades fixed is going to be like the challenge that we're not even sure how to go about. And essentially they had another press conference in which they said that it's not their fault. They call their famous quote this ecosystem of CXE that had everybody just like, what even is that? And they proceeded to blame our failures because some children got grades that don't even exist, like sevens and eights. You know, they decided to blame our failures and our teachers for giving us false hopes and expectations in our abilities. Wow. Yeah. And it made no sense because our teachers are accustomed to marking the school-based assessment. They know what to look for, they know how to help us and how to guide us. And they've been doing it. Some teachers have been doing this for like 20, 30 years. So how is it that all of a sudden they don't know what they're doing? Right. You know, it has to be something happened in your system. And we actually held a regional press conference in which we brought in an education expert who assessed methodology that they used and she said that basically by reducing the amount of papers in the exam what would have resulted would have been great compression mm-hmm. with students who had high marks end up getting low marks and those who had low marks would end up getting high marks and that's what happened because like in Trinidad and Tobago the school that tops the country no one has ever even heard of it before it's in some rural village where you know, like that does not happen. Yeah. You know? And they just continue to not try to help. And what frustrates us even more is that if you want to get grade reviewed, you have to pay 30 US dollars. Hmm. Right? And some children were genuinely not fortunate enough to afford 30 US dollars during a pandemic. That is a ridiculous course. And it's not like if it was one subject they needed reviewed. Some children needed all their subjects reviewed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we called the organizing of the protest asking them to remove any fees. And they were like, no, they're not going to do that. You know, we have to pay. And even after some people, you know, maybe and they paid the 13 dollars, no grades were changed. You know, and they actually had the audacity to say that this year had the best results they have ever seen. You know, which when you look at what occurred, that cannot be true. So tell us a little bit more about how these grades affect 
the rest of your life from here? Well, I will start with like what I've paid and information I collected from other people, and then I'll tell you how it affected me personally. Yeah. Because I believe that it is important for people to understand how this changed some children's life forever. Yeah. So for Kate, in particular, you have two years of exams, unit one and unit two. So after unit one, you can't apply to university. Because, you know, based on the groups that you get there, the universities can kind of gauge how you perform in unit two. So a lot of children would have applied to universities with their units one scores. They would have secured scholarships. And even if they didn't get a scholarship, they still would have gotten in to the university of choice. And because the XC, what they did, they delayed all the exams till July, August, which would be when some children were leaving. So they didn't have the results before they went. So they were there at the university. Some students would have probably already stopped taking classes and all that only to get their unit to revolt and realize that they even failed subjects. And because of that, they got kicked out of the university. Wow. Which is horrendous. Yeah. You know, that must be embarrassing. That must feel so, I can't even imagine how sad and how angry you must feel, especially when it was not your fault. Yeah. And then on top of that, the people who are actually in a position to do something don't care. We actually, um, the chairman of CXC actually addressed the issue, you know, saying that um, he can't do anything about that. And he's sorry that some people's rights have to be ruined, but there isn't anything you could do about it. And that's despite, you know, like, how could you say something like this when you were representing an organization that is literally responsible for training and molding the future of our entire region? Yeah. Because what's going to happen now? Let's say, for instance, the students were doing the sciences to get into medical school. And they weren't a high-performing student, but because of the algorithm, you know, they would have gotten high grades, right? They get into a really good university, and if by chance they manage to cope, they become a doctor, but they're not adept enough to be an efficient doctor, that's the very hand our lives are going to be in. That's scary. Yeah. And another thing that would happen, like on the CSEC level, so that's the lower level, you need to do get into CXC in order to, you have to reapply to your high school in order to do CAPE. Because here, um, you can't just go to the high school in your neighborhood. It doesn't work like that. You have to do an exam to get into high school. Mm-hmm. So the higher the grade you have, the better the school you go to. And especially... At the CXC level, is very competitive because students want to go to the best high school to do CAPE because the better the school, the higher the chances you get in a scholarship. So, for instance, at my school, students who were good children who participated in tons of extracurricular activities who actually had an impact on the school, mm-hmm. you know, some of whom I would have mentored and stuff, they didn't get in to do their CAPE because they would have done badly in their subjects, even though they didn't. You know, and now they have to go to subpar institutions and get the subpar education, and their whole entire 
you know, life has just shifted. And another thing, before it was known that this was a regional-wide issue, you know, because of the movement that I had, I would have had students reaching out to me from all over the place. And since I had to talk to parents to actually calm them down, tell them it's not their child's fault, don't be upset with their child. Because, you know, parents that have been furious with their children for doing so poorly in exams. You know, and I had to tell a lot of parents that it's not your child's fault. And that should never have to be my job. Mm-hmm. You know, because I just turned 18 at the time. What am I doing talking to parents from all across the Caribbean? Yeah. You know, and to top that off, because, you know, unfortunately, there are some children who their whole world revolves around school and being a top performer. So that would have popped the bubbles of a lot of children and made them feel to end their life. And then here I was now having this burden placed on me to make sure that children don't harm themselves and it's like this can't be my responsibility because what if something happened to the person I'm talking to etc you it was scary you know that should have never been my responsibility and CXC never commented on anything regarding that you know and that's how could we be so heartless yeah for me in particular, how it has affected me, I mean, I was fortunate enough to get into university with the grades that I got, but I am a bit of a perfectionist, I would admit, through so seeing twos and threes in the transcript just does not fit right with me, so I signed up to repeat the exams, and the subjects I'm doing I'm doing sociology, history, literature, geography, and communication studies that requires a lot of reading. And I have to repeat history, which has one of the heaviest syllabi across the board. Mm -hmm. You know, I have to repeat sociology, which is also a very intensive subject. But I also have to repeat literature, which in addition to studying three books every year, you also have to read a lot of critical material. So it's a lot of extra work I now have to put myself through and it's no fault of my own. Mm-hmm. You know, and there has been no form of justice for the students of the region. And what has happened is after a few months, you know, people have just moved on and forgotten about it. I remember protesting on these streets and people would come up there and be like, well, you should have studied harder or worked harder people to get and stuff like that and it's like that's not the problem something went wrong and there and and they refusing to take accountability yeah so if you were in charge what would yeah. the system be what do you mean by the system for exams in general or for covid or the response i th- let's say exams in general is is this the best system even when it's not covid let's look at that Okay, well, I wouldn't say it's the best system. So let's take, for instance, the school-based assessment. So mm-hmm. Every subject has a component that's the second assignment. So you take it home and you work on it over a prolonged period of time. Yeah. First of all, there's nothing to suggest you can't just pay someone to do your assignments for you, which is something that happens all the time. 
you know, and even through teachers who would want to have a good track record and stuff, they would spruce up the assignments, you know, they would give liberal marks because they mark it. So that's in itself the validity is already questioned and something I guess that I struggle with in particular because um, I love to write. Writing is a passion of mine, so I've become very good at it. And the subjects I do require a lot of writing. So, you know, I would have fun, you know. School shouldn't be a burden all the time. And then my teachers would tell me, you can't submit this to Bella because when the um, the moderator is looking at it, they're not going to believe that this is your work. And I'm like, but this is my work. They're like, well, I know that, you know that, but they don't know that and we can't risk it. So you need to, um, you need to reduce the quality of your assignments. And how is that fair to me? What? That's so yes. messed up. Yes, I've been told that, I've been told that for CXP, I get told that for keep all the time. You know, it's just like, I remember one of the research papers I did, you know, the teacher told me after class, she was concerned about whether or not I could research this topic because it's too complex for high school. Wow. You know, and so, I was like, sorry, go ahead. So let's say, um, you know, I, I wave my magic wand. The system is now perfect. It is now ideal. Describe mm-hmm. to me what this ideal perfect school system is like well to me the ideal perfect school system would be one that doesn't just test your ability based on academics because there's some children who could just sit down you know study and be just fine in an exam setting and they would be well there are other children where that model doesn't fit right i think to me the perfect education system would be one in which everyone's abilities are taken into consideration and there are various ways in which you can be tested so that even if you're not a traditional learner, you still have a chance at passing, finishing school and with good grades and prospects for the future. Yeah. So what would that look like exactly? Like, you know, it's exam time. How are we going to assess all these different uh, skills, talents, ways of learning? Well, I would say um, it's taken to, can I use like one subject as an example? Absolutely. Yeah. So for instance, for literature. Yeah. Some people, you know, like me, I would prefer to sit down and write an essay. Because for me, I'm able to um, like clarify my thoughts and my thinking and really channel them in ways that make sense. But for other students, especially with the three hours that we're given, mm-hmm. you know, to write, I think it's like three nine-paragraph essays, you know, that's just impossible. And it's not that they don't know the work or the content. It's just that under such a setting, it's very difficult for them to be able to sit down and write. So like an oral exam would be better suited for them, mm-hmm. where you have a structured interview, you ask them questions, give them about 10 minutes per question, and let them explain their answers. They don't have a certain format. 
to maybe you need to have keywords like if you were analyzing fetin, you have to talk about physical fetin, historical fetin, social fetin, and how it was used in the novel. And once you hit on those points, you would get your marks because not everybody can write quickly, not everyone could work while writing under pressure, but you have some students who would be able to verbalize better. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be beneficial to them. But even when I did physics, um, when it came down to sitting down and doing an experiment and learning off the formula and doing the equation and stuff, that was hard for me because I'm not really a math person. But I remember in lessons, whenever we were learning a new topic, you know, I would, um, so if we were doing like a pendulum, and how the pendulum reacts to length through the formula that we have. But instead of using the formula to work with the answer, I would just do the experiment and I'll get the answer from actually conducting the experiment. You know, and for some people, that's a better, more efficient method because I was catching my skin to even, like, get a mark in physics doing the equations. But if you give me tools to do the experiment, I can explain everything to you. I could get your numeric values to you, I could do everything to you, but sitting down and doing the equation was a bit more challenging. So you need to provide alternative methods. It's not that I didn't know the content, not that I didn't understand the topic. It's just that it was better for me to actually do the experiment figure it out in my own and just sitting down and calculating it with the formula. Yeah, so basically giving people options. Yeah. And how would you have handled the COVID situation? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, teachers teachers know their students. Absolutely. And what we did at the regional conference we compared the teachers' projected grades with the grades the children actually got over the years, and most teachers had about 80% accuracy over the years. In some cases, even 100% accuracy all across schools in the Caribbean. We had different principals from different schools come in and give their statistics. But last year, you know, accuracy would have dropped from like 98% to like 40%. Wow. But we see that from previous years, teachers know their students. Yeah. So we would have, I would have let them use the projected grades because, well, the statistics show that the teachers know their students. And then you still have um, your grades from school to look at. And by that time, the school based assessment would have already been complete. They could even use that to back up the projected grades. You know, there was no reason to make us come out and do the exams. And even this year, you know, at least last year, we only had one paper. So we had to leave your house because everyone does four subjects. Very few people would be like me and do five or six. So most people do four subjects. So you would have only had to come out at most four days. But this year, they're giving us all the papers. Even though in some countries, COVID has gotten way worse than it was last year. Yeah. You know? In fact, in the country where CXC is located, their headquarters, Barbados, their COVID cases this year is significantly worse than it was last year. So it's not even a threat to them, but they don't care. They don't care. Yeah. 
So how can people help? Like I'm, you know, listening to this in the United States going, oh my gosh, who, like, who can I write to? Who can I call? Like, how can we put pressure on these people? Because that's really messed up. Well, to me, the best way in which you can help is just to talk about this. Because I think they believe, you know, we're here in our own Caribbean bubble. And once we forget about it, you know, they get away with it. But if yeah. we have people talk about it, and that, you know, even if they feel just embarrassed, mm-hmm. you know, by the fact that, you know, it's out there now, that would compel them to have to do something about it. You know, so I think that's the best thing you can do. Just talk about it. You know, you can use actually have a hashtag. Yep. So I was it's gonna ask. Hash- <laughs> yeah. Um, it's hashtag justice for Kate underscore twenty twenty. Can I email it to you? Please perhaps? do. Yeah. Yeah. And I will. I will put that in the show notes. Okay. Well, I will. As soon as they're finished, I'll email all of our hashtags. We have an Instagram and we have a Facebook, but even if you want to hashtag us on Twitter, that's fine because children here would see us and we start to talk about it and really get an international momentum because they seem to think that we've forgotten, but we haven't. That yesterday, was it yesterday? No, day before on Wednesday in Barbados, the teachers credit union and some students and parents and stuff, they had a conference about the issue. You know, so we have not forgotten about it, but she she has basically just I they have just stopped the spending and I guess they're hoping that they could wear a thousand during the side. But the sad thing is, you know, every day that you wake up and you go to school, you get reminded of the fact that last year everything that you did, all the hard work you put in was for nothing. Yeah. Yeah, that's the truth that you have to live with. For me, some of my classes, students dropped out because of that, because it just seemed to be to them so much that they dropped out, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not okay. Yeah. Education is such a big deal, you know, and I, I really feel like we could do a better job in most parts of the world in terms of how we actually engage students' curiosity and help them genuinely learn and then help them, you know, assess them in a way that is fair and makes sense. Because in so many places, we rely on these tests that are very biased and Mm -hmm. that if you can afford to have, you know, a tutor or take specific classes in the testing, then you can do very well at the tests. But that isn't necessarily a great reflection of your overall intelligence. Yeah, that is very true you that's true I agree with that statement because I would um the when I went to lessons of physics I went to two lessons places the first one would have been I guess your middle class the lower class students attending at lessons and the results that they had compared to the second place that I went to where it would have been upper class children was nice and they and I mean, I was glad I transferred because the second lesson space the resources were much better. You know, the teacher had notes and booklets printed out to us to give to us the implemented technology in the classroom. So if we had a question, you know, some students would be embarrassed to raise their hand and ask a question. You message him, he replies to you and helps you out and stuff. And I mean, 
the difference in Mercury so drastic and the only thing that changed is where I was getting help. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. what would you say to, you know, students who are listening to this right now and are feeling really discouraged, really frustrated and like like things are not not fair? What would you say to them right now? Um, to them, I would say that we may completely understand you and see where you're coming from and understand what it is you're feeling and what I have two things that I can say to you. And the first one is that um, don't as cheesy as it is, don't feel so because in all actuality, everything that happens to you, even if you can't see it now, you know, the reason will show itself when the time is right and you know you just have to find little things in every day to make you happy you know and to not make you feel so over there and so good and fun you know like for me it's you know at the end of every day you get to watch tv that's something to look forward to you know or you get to take a long hot shower you know you just need to find ways to encourage yourself it's the and, little things, right? Yeah, it really is. And the thing is pick up a hobby. You know, hobbies are great. Maybe even a hobby that you can make money off of. Like, learn how to bake. Learn how to do meals. Learn how to do hair. You know, there's so many other things that you can do so you don't just have to have on school. So, for instance, I told you a lot of good stuff does. But they didn't drop out and stay home. You know, they dropped out and they opened businesses, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, people who started selling juice, you know, that's their business. And the people who started doing you know, who started doing nails, who started makeup, who started catering. You have to expand yourself. So even if one avenue fails, you have something else you can rely on. It's not the end all and the be it all. It should never be. Yeah, absolutely. Give your gifts. Start finding ways that you can create value for other people and for the world, uh, whether or not that is specifically in line with, you know, your uh, ultimate goals. Just start doing something and you will find that the universe, you know, kind of catches you when you leave. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. As Zig Ziglar said, give enough people what they want and you will get what you want. Yeah, exactly that. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Can you thank you for having me? Can you give people um, where they can find you, and then one last thought that you want to make sure that they walk away with? All right. Well, you can find me. I'm not a social media person. <laughs> I actually got into social media because I started a podcast of my own. You know, so mm-hmm. you can find me on Instagram. My name is infinite underscore Adela. All right. Infinite Adela. Yeah, but underscore between infinite and Adela. Okay. And one last thought Um, that you really want people to walk away with today. Well, since we're talking about education, which obviously has a huge impact in your life, you know, and I actually am quite fond of Shakespeare. So he used a quote by Shakespeare mm-hmm. where he says that the purpose of life is to find your gift, but the meaning of life is to give it away. 
Absolutely. I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Thank you so much for being here to witness that. After all, a story with no audience to receive it is like a plant with no soil to take root in. If you found this episode worthwhile, please pass it on. And if you've got a story the world just isn't quite getting, I'm here to help. Check out my website, thatsallowed.com, to get your free ideal scene meditation and start releasing your masterpiece today.